You know what it is. That's right. It's time to talk money with your money nerd and financial coach. Now, tighten those purse strings and open those ears. It's the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Today, I have Jim Pakulis with me, and he is the CEO and chairman of Boosh Plant-Based Brands, Inc. Now, Boosh provides a healthy, 100% plant-based, non-GMO, which is super important, gluten-free, which is another important thing, alternative to comfort foods. Now, I wanted to have Jim on the podcast to explain, you know, what Boosh is about. I know I have a lot of listeners that are plant-based, um, gluten intolerant, um, things of that nature. So this is another, yet another brand that you can tap into and get some healthy plant-based alternatives to your comfort foods. How awesome is that? So thank you so much, Jim, for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. That was a great intro. <laughs> thank you very much. No Look problem. forward to chatting. Absolutely. No problem. So let's just hop right in. So first of all, when I saw the brand, I'm like, boosh, like that is such a, a unique and different name. So how did you come up with boosh? Uh, it was done by the founder of Boosh. Her name is Connie Marples. And uh, Boosh, uh, she had to school me on what it meant when I got involved with it. It means in French, it means basically the mouth uh, but it, the the urban dictionary means and and I'm paraphrasing, so please bear with me. It means uh, the love of life and food and enjoyment and health and happiness, and it's just a really cool vibe. Oh, I love that. I love that because see the name, it just seems fun, but to know that yeah. it has a really deep meaning in relation to the actual business, that is so cool to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Connie nailed it. She absolutely nailed it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Kudos to you, Connie. <laughs> um, <laughs> I say that to her every day. <laughs> now, you all are doing plant-based comfort food, which I thought was pretty interesting because, you know, uh, when people are thinking about plant-based or, you know, meat eaters that are trying to make the transition or whatever the case may be, they're like, but it's not going to be as good. You know, how can I eat my favorite things? And so what do you all mean when you say comfort foods, you know, in a plant-based format? Sure. It, we want to be the gateway for, as you just described, the, the, the meat eater, such as myself, who wants to eat better, wants to eat a little bit healthier, you know? And so through Boosh, Connie created the gateway plant-based uh, that heat and eat in the evening, uh, whether it's the microwave or quickly throw it into the oven. Uh, comfort food being something, it's a shepherd's pie or a rustic pot pie, where it's just, it's so fulfilling eating this meal that you don't feel a half an hour later like you're starving, like you just had a, a lettuce salad or something of that nature. Uh, it's just, it's, it's fantastic for you. It's designed for the family that's busy, husband and wife come home six or seven at night after a tough day at work and the kids come home from school and soccer or sports or theater, whatever it may be. And mom and dad wanna still cook something quality and healthy and nutritional for the individuals, for the family. And so that's the focus of, of Bouge Food. It's not necessarily for the vegan or the vegetarian, though they also love it, but it's for the masses. It's for everybody. It's for all of us. 
Awesome. Awesome. And I love that because I know uh, way back when we won't get into years, but way back when um, I was on my journey to become vegan. Right. Oh, right on. And so I made it to pescatarian and then vegetarian, but I could not get rid of cheese. Like cheese <laughs> was my downfall. <laughs> like I could do the almond milk, you know, and the different kinds of milks. And I didn't really need eggs like that. But cheese is a whole different story. So have you all nailed that yet? <laughs> yes, that's a great question. Uh, number one, we bought a plant-based cheese company about six months ago. Yeah. Uh, and it's, and it's, it's a powdered based cheese, but it tastes fantastic when you add a little bit of your non-dairy, whether it's the almond milk or the soy milk or what have you, it tastes so good and it's wonderful on mac and cheese. Yeah. Separately, we just bought a vegetable pate company. So, uh, you know, with crackers having, having in the evening, having some crackers before dinner, you can have a pate, a vegetable pate. Uh, and we're looking at some other, some other alternatives to that, but we were very sensitive to that as well. I love cheese, but it, it, it don't love me. I need an alternative to that. Exactly. And see, I've been lactose intolerant my whole life. And so it's like, um, you know, I'm not supposed to be eating cheese, but right. <laughs> it's like one of those things I, where whoever's around me, they're just going to have to suffer the consequences. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's that good. I'm, I'm, I feel the exact same way as you do. I just love cheese. Awesome. So. Awesome. So why is fast food on the fast way out? Like why should we focus more on, you know, plant-based alternatives, cooking at home, things like that? Why is fast food on its way out? I, th I think it's, it's two reasons. I believe it's, it's, and I, you certainly look young. I think it's, it's your generation, the millennials, the Gen X's, the Gen Z's who care about what goes into their body, who care about planet earth and our very limited resources, and also who care about the animal kingdom. I just read an article this morning about the dire straits that the Colorado river is in and, and how are we going to resolve that? Well, there's a perfect example with with animal-based protein you need a herculean amount of water in order to raise the animal in, in the slaughterhouse and the, just the whole production of getting that um uh, the chicken or meat to the to the grocery store tremendous amount of resources are needed whereas in plant-based it's it's a, a smaller much smaller percentage of that so i think it's a it's a combination of several different things one it's this huge movement it's a disruptive muse movement in fact bloomberg came out stating that the val the uh, plant-based valuation by 2050 is going to be 1.4 trillion dollars with a t that is a major, major increase in, in, in valuation, um, almost from a, from a starting zero from five years ago. And again, that movement is done by the younger generation. They want, they want to eat healthier um, and, and protect the animal kingdom and protect the earth. So I don't see it being a trend. I see this continuing. And uh, to, to, another way to answer your question is, a lot of these fast food companies, which have dominated our society in North America for 30 for a years, long time, yes. for a long time, they are catching the wave of the plant-based industry. You got Starbucks that have Beyond Meat. Um, uh, you have Taco Bell, uh, Pizza Hut, McDonald's, Burger King. A lot of these large franchises 
uh, and establishments are going to plant-based. Uh, and we even have an alliance with Beyond Meat. Um, we have a beautiful alliance with them, which we have some of their products in some of our entrees. So I, I just think that um, they're not going to go away, but they're going to convert to providing us a healthier, quicker meal than what they previously had done. I absolutely agree with that. And one other thing I want to point out too, I know with my generation, we're more conscious about our wallets, right? And yeah, right. fast food gets very, very, very expensive. Um, this is a moment of full disclosure. <laughs> um, I did like for the whole month of August, my family ate out almost every single day just because things got too busy. And when I went back and looked at my budget, <clears throat> first of all, it was blown out the water. Um, but second of all, I was like, I don't believe I just spent so much on food that, you know, you just consume and then it comes right back out. <laughs> and so <Yeah. laughs> I'm just like, all of that money is literally going down the toilet. And so now for this month, we've been more conscious and, you know, for the month of September, we were more conscious about eating at home, making sure that we're putting healthier things into our system. Because like you said, you know, our generation, we care more about our health because we see the detriment that fast food and being overweight and all of those things have on our bodies. And we're more conscious about ourselves and our bodies and the environment. And so it's like, in order to make sure that our values all align, we have to make that's sure right. that we take care of our, our bodies. And so that's why I'm, I love that you were able to come on and talk about this because it is so important, not just for the health side of things, but for the wealth side of things, you know, you yeah. have to, take your money into consideration with this stuff too. Uh, spot on. You're absolute spot on, Tiff. Yep. Absolutely. So I, I heard you say something about valuations, right? So we're going to switch gears a little bit because I think this okay. is super important to go over with my audience um, that may be small business owners or business owners that may be thinking about selling a business or valuations, things like that. So one thing I wanted to um, go over with you is cap tables, right? So cap tables are important to the process of, you know, valuation, you know, selling shares, things like that. But what is a cap table? Sure. Well, that's an abbreviation for capitalization. Uh, and, and what you're looking at and cap capitalization table uh, is a very broad term. But let's let's uh, focus on specifically for a small emerging publicly traded company like ours. Okay. So when a company goes public, they issue share, shares, those shares, and you can also issue warrants and options, but I don't want to complicate the conversation with that. Let's stay focused on shares. When a company goes public, so management, of course, wants shares. Owners and founders want shares. The company that is taking the company public called the underwriter, they want shares in the company. You want to sell shares in the open market at your IPO to raise the initial body of money. There's another bucket of shares that go out. With small emerging companies, it, 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 there's, there's a pro and a con because the managers get to basically write their own check or write the number of shares that they want. Many, many, many small publicly traded companies issue themselves anywhere from or issue in totality of what I just said, management underwriters going public, say 30 million to 50 million to 100 million shares that will be outstanding. Think of it as a big piece of pie. So now this company has 100 million shares outstanding. Um, 
what do you as a shareholder want? Do you want a, 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 a piece of pie that only has 16 slices or a piece of pie that has 100 slices? In our case, we went public with only 16 million shares outstanding, which is almost unheard of. It's called being non-dilutive, which protects shareholders. Dilutive means that there's tons and tons of shares and everyone is being diluted. Of course, going public, you do become somewhat diluted, but we want to be as conservative as possible when we went public. It takes a lot of discipline and it takes a lot of patience. Um, but we went public with 16 million shares. The other thing about Boosh is that we love shareholders. We love investors. We love people. We could have gone with our IPO and it was a small IPO. We, were, we had verbal orders of about 10 million, but we only took 2.8 million at our IPO at 50 cents. The anticipation is over time, based on the fundamentals and the growth and the revenue of the company, the share price would increase. If that happens, we'll raise capital at a higher valuation. So hypothetically, I'm not saying that this is going to happen. I'm just using this as an example. The stock's trading at $3. Well, then we would raise capital. And let's say we do a discount to market. And we raise it at $2.50. Well, by issuing shares at $2.50, and let's say we raise $5 million, we issue a significantly less amount number of shares than we would issue if we were trading at 50 cents. So that is non-dilutive. It's supply and demand, but we want to issue the least amount of shares outstanding on the anticipation and assumption that over time, the shares are going to go up in value and everyone wins. Uh, and, and I'm a firm believer of that. In fact, my whole compensation, I don't get a salary, I don't get commission. My whole compensation is our warrants, which is a, a form of a, of a security. I have to pay 50 cents for my warrants. So I have to put money in the treasury. I'm the CEO and I'm working 10, 12 hours a day, but I still have to put money in the treasury in order to get my share to go ahead and sell it somewhere down in the future. Why is that important to your listeners? It means my interests are 100% aligned with their interests if they're investing in the company. A lot of companies, I'm not saying small, medium, large, whatever, uh, management's interests not are, are not always aligned. They may have preferred shares. They may have specialty shares. They may have these huge compensation packages that who cares if the stock goes up or goes down? It doesn't matter uh, because their interests are protected. With me, I'm in the same uh, uh, situation as all the shareholders, which if you're listening, that's where you want, you want to really consider a company like ours to look at and potentially invest in after you do your research, uh, knowing that management is aligned with you as a shareholder. Absolutely. And before we get into this really quick, because I have a few questions based on what you just said, but sure. I just want to do this quick disclaimer just to keep us out of trouble yes. um, that all information that you receive here is not investment advice. This is for educational and informational educational and entertainment purposes only. Um, yes. So with that out of the way, um, yeah. I also, I want to ask you, like, first of all, I love what you all are doing as far as issuing your shares as needed, not over diluting um, and therefore making everybody's shares be worth less money. Um, and I love that the management team is on the same side of the table as the investors, because that's a super important, like you said, most companies do the preferred share route, right? Or they do um, a compensation package plus shares or some, some combination of the two. So I love that you all are taking that um, initiative and actually doing things a little differently and being disruptive in that regard um, as well. So 
as you all can see, this is a theme. Boosh is a very disruptive company, um, <laughs> but I love that you all are doing that. So when you talk about, um, you know, the shares and things like that, um, where are you all like, what markets are you all traded sure. on? Yep. Uh, and just for clarity, I just want to clarify, it's me. So we have a we have a, a, a good large management team. But as far as the compensation, what I just described, that's me. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. okay. You're welcome. So we got list. We did an IPO, and as as some of your uh, uh, to help out with some of your listeners, you can go public two different ways. You can do an RTO, uh, which is acquiring an existing publicly traded shell, or you can do an IPO, which is um, uh, creating or yes, and you create that organically. You go through. Um, perhaps more steps. In my opinion, it's a better route. Uh, it takes longer. It's more due diligence, in my opinion. But um, you end up with a, I believe, a cleaner vehicle when you go public because there wasn't an, an RTO is, I don't want to say a, a used car, but you could could potentially be taking over other people's liabilities when you take over there. Okay. So getting back to your question. So we went public IPO in May of this year. We traded on the Canadian Securities Exchange, the CSE, and our ticket ticker is Veggie, V-E-G-I. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we just got listed on the uh, U.S. exchange on the OTCQB, and the ticker there is VGGIF. So we trade in the Canadian and the U.S. Oh, nice. Awesome. So U.S. listeners, you do have an option. Canadian listeners, you have an option as well. So Boosh is a Canadian-based company? Yes, it's a Canadian-based company. Uh, however, we just signed about a month and a half ago a contract with a great U.S. food broker called Thrive, uh, who will be distributing our products throughout the United States later this year. We also uh, sound, uh, signed a contract with an e-commerce company, so you'll be able to get home delivery. That company is called ShopVeggie.com, and that'll be happening in Canada and the U.S., uh, so uh, the company, from my standpoint, is a business side of things. I want to create four revenue streams. One, organic growth. We're already in 400, roughly 400 stores in Canada and, and uh, growing, uh, growing in a good clip. Number two, acquisitions. We've done two acquisitions recently. Uh, one is the plant-based cheese. The other, the pate company, vegetable pate company. The third revenue stream we're creating is opening up into the United States, as we just referenced. And the fourth is the e-commerce. So um, in 2022, my goal is to make sure we have all four revenue streams coming uh, as, as uh, aggressively as possible. Awesome. Nice. Yay. Because I, I noticed that you all, when I was doing my research on the company, I was like, darn, it's only Canada. I was like, it's great that they're in Whole Foods in Canada, but what about us in the U.S.? Yeah. And so I'm so glad that that news um, has come out that, you know, coming soon to the U.S., um, be on the lookout for Boosh Foods because apparently they are a force to be reckoned with here. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tiff, I'm, I'm, I feel the same way. I live in the U.S., so I want it here too. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> awesome. So while we're talking about investing, because I just want to make sure we hit on, you know, some more about that, since I have a publicly traded company on here, um, sure. how can investors take the emotions out of investing? What should they be using? What should they be looking at when they're looking to invest in these publicly traded companies? My, recommend, my recommendation is a handful of things. Number one, management. 
look at management, look at their experience. Let's talk about the founder, Connie Marples. Uh, she, in the early 20, in, in 2002, 2003, created wine bars, very successful wine bars. And uh, she it was so good, she received uh, the Conta Nast's uh, shortlist of the best restaurant in the world award. Oh, this, nice. this, is a, this is a high level organization. Uh, so, but fast forward, Connie is a celiac. So she has very specific eating needs as well. Uh, so she started to create really good health-based meals back in 217, 218 by the urgence of her friends. Uh, she then found a co-packer, created these fr six frozen meals that we have and started literally in the Bushmobile driving around Vancouver delivering these products. And it just took off from there and started to grow. She then aligned herself with a great food broker who got us with Unify, arguably the largest natural food distributor in North America. And that helped us get into all the stores throughout Canada. Um, myself, I have significant background in the, in the publicly traded realm, small emerging companies. Um, I've done this numerous times with the same group of underwriters that we work with right now. So we're real happy with the management team. We have Ali Samai, 25 plus years, roughly 25 years in the natural food industry. He's come aboard as a consultant. So our bench is growing nicely. So number one, look at the management. Number two, look at the industry. You, uh, you as an investor, regardless of the management, regardless how great the product is, if the industry is not going to grow, most likely the stock is not going to appreciate. So the plant-based industry, as we discussed, I think it's going to go through certainly geometric growth, if not exponential growth, in my humble opinion, over the next five to 10 years. Then you look at the infrastructure of the company. Do they have what it takes to grow? We have a lot of groups reaching out to us, but I don't want us to, as I say, trip going out the front door. I don't want to lose the opportunity of, okay, Costco, sure, let's deliver. And then we mess it up and we have one opportunity and that's it. So the infrastructure of the organization has to be solid. Uh, and then in, in the public realm, you want to look at the, the capitalization table, which we chatted about earlier, making sure that the interests of the company are aligned with your interest at a share, as a shareholder. Uh, and then and do you like the product? I mean, it, do you enjoy the product? One of the, one of the first books, uh, not first books, but one of the, the, the best books I read um, was called Snowball, um, a semi-autobiography on, on Warren Buffett. And his philosophy early on was to, to invest in companies of products that you use, like, you know, Gillette shavers or yeah. whatever. So with Boosh, you can always, you can invest, plus you can eat the product, which increases revenues, which helps the stock price. So it's, you know, it's self-fulfilling. So those would be the key require not requirements, elements that I would suggest a listener do their due diligence on before going in and doing any investment in any company. Right. And also everything you just said is super important for people that are building these businesses too. So not just the yeah. investors, but actually building these businesses. So there were two things I wanted to pull out from what you just said. One was Connie started this on the ground, you know, yeah. um, like many of my listeners probably are, you know, you're, you're trying to, let's say you have a food company, you know, maybe you're selling plates out your house or, you know, setting up vending or, you know, going to deliver things. This business started the same way. And so you have yes. to realize that 
all companies, it doesn't matter how big, how small, they all start from somewhere. So I just wanted to make sure that was clear to my audience as well. Like you could be another Boosh. Well, I don't know if you'll be another Boosh, but you could be (laughs) another company like Boosh. Um, You know, even if you're just selling plates out of your house right now, you have to start somewhere. And then the second thing I wanted to pull from that All of those points, making sure you have a good management team, uh, making sure you're doing your research, all of those things are important when you start growing. So as you start growing your businesses, you want to make sure that the people that you're bringing on to your team A, add value, but also you want to make sure that they are acting in the best interest of the business, just like Boosh and their employees are acting in the best interest of their stakeholders. And so you just want to make sure that all of these things he just discussed, not only are you using them to make your investing decisions, but you're also using it if you're a business owner to build your business the right way, you know? Um, So I, I just wanted to hit on that and and give people that correlation because it's so similar. It's so similar. Yes. Well stated. That's a great angle. And, and getting back to hiring, I have a phrase, hire slow, fire fast. I mean, take your time when you're hiring because it's critical. All the resources, all the energy, all the time that you're putting in is disrupting everything, but you want that quality person and you want them to grow with you and you want to take care of them. And so, yeah, you, you're spot on uh, Tiff. Yes. And then also, I mean, to add on to that, because, you know, my background's in HR. So this is like speaking my oh, language. Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> um, but also to add on to that, if you make a bad hire, they could be detrimental to your business because you have to realize that these people that you're putting in place, they are now the face of your business. It doesn't even matter what capacity they're acting in. It could be somebody, just your assistant, but they're still going to be the face of the business to someone. And so you want to make sure that the people that you're hiring are taking your dream and your vision, just like Connie's dream and vision for Boosh. And she hired all these people. You want to make sure that they are acting in the company's best interest and making sure that they're putting on a good face for the the entire company. Um, And so I can't, I cannot like emphasize that enough because a lot of times um, people do not leave companies, they leave managers. And so if you have a management team that is not acting in the best interest or anyone that's not acting in the best interest, it can drop your business and fast. (laughs) It can drop your business and fast. It doesn't matter about the groundwork that you already put in. One person can dismantle the whole the whole show um and so i just wanted to and i know that i'm going on a tangent with this but it's so important especially as small business owners that every hire you make is the best hire that you deem appropriate and if they don't work out because not everybody is you fire quickly you don't keep giving them chances after chances after chances because when people show you who they really are you need to take it as that so i think Yeah, well stated. And one more thing too, just to add to that, what I do is I always give everybody a 90 day, no matter how long we've been courting them and how I say, listen, you might not like us. And conversely, we might not like you. So if at the end of 90 days, we can leave as friends, that's great. But that'll give you an opportunity to check us out and vice versa. Yep, exactly. Fail early and fail often. Yeah, (laughs) that's that's, bingo. (laughs) That's my philosophy when it comes to business. No, you know, you want to make sure that you do things, but if you are failing, go ahead and fail 
own yep. it and then use the lessons that you've learned to go ahead and move the business forward. And so I think on that note, <laughs> I think we can sum up this, this podcast episode. So Jim, please let us know, how can we all find out more about Boosh Foods if the audience was interested or find out more about you? Sure, please just go to Boosh Food and food is singular, bushfood.com. And you'll be able to reach out to anybody on the management team, including myself. Uh, this is my, my sole job. Uh, and, 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 uh, and I'd love to chat with, with any of your listeners or, or watchers if they have any questions or they want to talk business. I'm, I love talking business and small startups and happy to, whatever advice or help I can give, I'm happy to do so. Awesome. Thank you so much for being available, Jim. You are so cool and down to earth. And I, I believe you when you say you are open to any inquiries. So please, y'all, I will have that link in the show notes. So don't worry if you didn't get it down. Just go ahead and click the show notes and you can go right to the Boosh Food website. Um, thank you so much, Jim, again, for imparting your knowledge on my audience. It was a pleasure having you on. It's my pleasure, Tiff. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening, joining, and being a part of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast this week. You can check Tiff out every Thursday for a new Money Talk podcast. But if you just can't wait until next week, you can listen to previous podcast episodes at moneytalkwitht.com or follow Tiff on all social media platforms at Money Talk with T. Until next time, spend wise by spending less than you make. A word to the money wise is always sufficient.